Fantastic. How's everyone doing in this Indian summer? Don't need to go to the to any of these exotic holiday destinations anymore. Spend your summer in Abergavenny. I had a I had a lovely card from uh, Yvonne Bennett. And I thought I must read it because it was for the church. So for those of you who don't know, Roger was Roger and Yvonne used to fellowship here till uh, Roger went to be with the Lord only recently. And we had a Thanksgiving service uh, over here. And this is what Yvonne sent. She said, Roger's son, who is not a Christian yet in bracket, said, I made him cry when I sang. I didn't sing, Yvonne sang. And the whole meeting moved him from a man who said he doesn't do God. So praise God for that. My brother's wife came only to support me as she was feeling sad as her mother died four years last Saturday. But praise the Lord, she said, from the very beginning, the welcome she had and the singing blessed her and she was able to raise her hands and worship to the Lord. Amen. Judy's sister-in-law had suffered with depression for years, but over the last few years, it has become worse. She said after the meeting, she felt uplifted and calm. Praise the Lord. Roger would have been pleased. Yes. Thank you is a very small word to describe the immense love and care we have received from everyone at Gateway. So thank you, guys. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God that people can come and get a taste of what heaven is, what the presence of God is. And a lot of times we may not realize, sometimes it's the little things that start the process of the journey. So don't discount your conversations in your workplace. Don't discount those little prayers you sometimes make for people and you think, wonder what happened with that. God uses every little thing to touch people's lives. Amen. We're going to have a few testimonies in today's head of things that God is doing on a weekly basis. But just want to encourage you, He is at work. Sometimes we may feel it. Sometimes we may not. Sometimes we may see it. Sometimes we may not. But we are only the instruments in His hands. We're the sowers of good news. We're the sowers of the seeds of good news. And so don't stop doing that. Amen. So I, I shall... Tell Yvonne we're continuing to think of her and pray for her. Right, I want to share something that's been on my heart for a while actually. I just put up the words to give us where we're going. His glory. This has been on my heart for a while. His glory, His glory, His glory, His glory. In a way, these testimonies resemble a little glimpse of what people can experience if they touch a little bit of his glory something lifts something gets stirred on the inside and i believe we're living in days where god is saying to his people get ready for a greater demonstration and a greater manifestation of his glory amen and we must not forget that i always say don't forget our roots we're holy spirit people and while we do everything, our roots are we recognize the presence of God 
We recognize the place of God, His presence, His glory, and all that's connected. And I believe we're living in a time, and I keep saying this, as the darkness gets darker all around, the opportunity for the glory of God to be manifest like never before is coming upon us. So rather, in one way, we are waiting for it. One is we are already living in it. Just that we don't recognize it sometimes and we don't acknowledge it enough and we don't pursue it enough. And so I just want to leave a few thoughts with us this morning of what I believe God is saying to us. Of course, Habakkuk 2.14 For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's a prophetic word. Read that again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now those are the days that we're waiting for now. We're preparing for. Where the presence of God will come like never before. I always say this. The strategic and the prophetic work hand in hand. So while we do a lot of the strategic side of our ministry, it's important. We need to recognize there's a prophetic realm that we all have to operate in. And both are important. You can't only live on the prophetic without strategic. If not, the prophecy will still remain a prophecy. If we don't act upon it. We act upon what we know. If you understand what I'm saying. But if we're really strategic and we're not prophetic, we won't go anywhere. And so it's important for us to recognize the importance of the strategic as well as the prophetic, as well as the glory of God that we carry in us, around us, upon us, not just on a Sunday morning, not in a few gatherings, but every single day of our lives. You and I are carriers of the glory of God. And a few things that I put down about the glory. You know, in fact, I was, I was, this whole thing came to me when I heard about 5G. How many of you know 5G started in, in Britain? 5G, anyone? Yeah, 5G. 5G, when did it happen? I think on the first or something, end of the month. So 5G, whatever that means, it's a, te- it's a higher technology. And one of the things people were starting to move towards, are you 5G ready? Okay, are you 5G ready? And I thought, wow, my phone is not 5G compliant, so I'm not 5G ready. And then my, my mind backtracked to all the different things we went through. How many of you remember before HD came on, all the advertisements on television, are you HD ready? Remember that? And suddenly, you, wow, what is this? You know, and we had to prepare ourselves for HD ready. And before that, it was, are you digital ready? Remember when the analog signals turned digital? That was a big deal. Suddenly, a lot of television sets were going to get obsolete because the signal was moving from analog to di- digital. And the cry went out, are you, are, you, are you digital ready? And then, if you remember the year 2000, one of the big buzzwords before we went into the year 2000 was, are you Y2K ready? All the techies will remember that. Are you why to A lot of companies made a lot of money on that. Okay? But my question to us this morning is, are you glory ready? Okay? While we get ready for all the other things, the technology, the Lord is speaking to His church these days and saying, while you get caught up in everything else, are you glory ready? So when I begin to move, you're not wanting, but you're ready not just to carry but to be a transmitter of my glory in an extent that the world has never seen before. And I want to just 
throw that to us this morning because it's coming. It's coming. If, if the world has to be saved, it's the glory of God, a manifestation of His presence, and an encounter that people will have with Him that will transform lives on a mass scale. An encounter with the presence of God. An encounter with the glory of God. And so, I've been dwelling on these thoughts for the last few weeks. And I said, yes, Lord, I recognize the realm. I recognize to some extent. But I believe for what you're bringing, I need to be more glory ready. I need to be more glory compliant. I need to be more glory, uh, a, a, a better carrier, for lack of a better word, of your glory. So that I can steward it when it comes. And it can be a blessing to people all around me. The glory of God transforms. That's what I put here. I said, what is the glory of God? It's His manifest presence and His transforming presence. It's manifest. I was talking to Julian Richards the other day, and somehow we ended up talking about the glory. And he said, how, do you, how would you define the glory? Is it the, is the Shekinah, you know, the term we use, the manifest presence? I said, that's part of it. And we will experience, you know, a tangible presence of God. But it's also operating in that realm. Who was that? Sid Roth who said, naturally supernatural. So you can go into your workplace and you can carry the presence of God to such a mighty extent, such a tangible, that things begin to happen. People begin to recognize there's something that you're carrying. What is it? Listen, I carry the glory of God. It's not me, it's Him. But I'm a reflector of His glory. And guys, we cannot forget our roots. I'm on this theme for a while now. Don't forget our roots. If not, we can get caught up in a brand of Christianity where we forget our roots of who we are. We are Holy Spirit people. We may not be a, by a denomination Pentecostal, but in nature, in our belief, we understand the person, the power, the presence, the operation of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so my question to all of us in these days, 2019, it's moving very quickly, 2nd of June today. We need to prepare ourselves so that we are glory ready to carry and manifest His glory far more than we've ever experienced before. His glory changes atmospheres, changes circumstances. Now listen to this. The finished work of Calvary opened the door to His presence and His glory. The veil was torn in two. The finished work of Calvary opened the door. But it's our responsibility to walk in it. Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean I walk with the glory every day. How many of you recognize that? He opened the door. The, the finished work of Calvary opened the door for, the, for us to enter into that glory. But it's our responsibility to walk in that. And when we walk in that, we begin to see the supernatural that's attached to that. Again, testimony after testimony after testimony I can give you of where the presence of God came in and transformed the situation. I remember I, 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 I experienced a dramatic uh, miracle in my younger days when my dad was called to one of the villages close to where we lived, outside of Mumbai, because there was drought over there and the well was dried up. If you come from a place like India, a lot of them still depend on wells uh, for water. And the well had dried up and they said, can you come and pray for, for us to have water? And so he went there and he recognized this is, this is not something that is just, you know, ordinary. He said, we're going to fast for three days. Fast and pray for three days. On the third day, they all went, they spoke into that, into that empty, dried well. And in about, I don't know, 16 or 18 hours, 
the water began to rise and it was almost three-fourth full by the end of that day. And the, and the non-Christians around recognized that these people had something different. Something different. So what I'm trying to tell us this morning, I can go through testimony after testimony. We want to move into a, God wants us to move into a realm where we move just from the strategic into the prophetic. And we recognize there's a realm of his glory we can live in, move in, operate in, that will transform our lives forever. And not just for us, for people around us. I believe his glory is a testimony to the world that there is a God. And there is a powerful God who lives, who moves, and in whom we have our being. And so, I put this down, how do we walk? How do we walk in this glory? Very simple thought this morning. How do we walk in this glory? Because it's available. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened the door. The glory realm is available. But how do we walk in it? And I put down five very simple things that I want us to think about over the next few weeks, months, and let the Holy Spirit work in our own lives because I believe all of us can walk into dead places and bring life. We can all walk into situations that are ruled out and bring the power of God and the glory of God and say, this is the God we serve and this is the God who loves you. Number one, very quickly, how do we walk in His glory? I think it starts by acknowledging. When I was doing this notes, I thought, wow. And I said, Holy Spirit, give me a few words to, to define a lot of times we can live as Christians and not acknowledge the place we are supposed to walk in. Makes sense. It's there for us. But we can go through our Christian life just getting by, just doing the everyday things and not acknowledging. And I think this is an everyday thing. I, every day I get up in the morning and I acknowledge that I cannot operate in the realm of the glo- His glory in my own capacity, I need Him. I need Him. And if I can do that every day when I get up, that I acknowledge there's a realm I can walk in because we can forget who we are. We can get caught up in, in our daily life. We can get caught up in the pressures, the challenges, the systems of the world, and we can forget who we are. I remember speaking on, who was the guy? Gideon. Before he died, Gideon called the whole of Israel together and said, do not forget these key things. I spoke on that message because sometimes when everything is going great guns, we can get complacent and go through life. But I believe the Lord is starting to wake his church up and say, guys, listen, do not forget your roots, especially in the time that we're living in. We, we need to see the power of God manifest. Like never before. And it starts by acknowledgement. If I can acknowledge every day when I get up, listen Chris, there is a realm you can choose to walk in today. Do not ignore it. Because fear can stop me from walking in it. Uncertainty can stop me from walking in it. All kinds of past experiences can stop me from walking in it. But if I can start by acknowledging there is a realm that I can operate in, there is a God who wants to operate through me, and I want to do that myself, it's a great starting point. And so simple, five points. The first one is acknowledge our limitation and acknowledge our need for Him. Acknowledge His glory. Acknowledge the need for His presence. 
How many of you believe the world needs his presence? The world needs his good. Your neighbors need it. Your friends, your family members need a touch, not just of our touch or a loving touch, which is important. They need a touch from heaven. They need to see the glory. If you're sitting here for the first time and you don't know what I'm talking about, listen, there, there is a God up there who operates in power and glory and the supernatural. And, and what is it not possible in the natural, he is able to make it possible. And this morning, as we heard earlier, if you do not know Jesus, listen, this is your opportunity to get to know him and walk in the realm that you've never experienced before, the supernatural realm. And you can be part of that army that takes his glory to people around. Number two, very quickly, a lifestyle. Lifestyle is very, very, very essential. We're talking about how do we walk in His glory. Listen, I cannot live my life the way I wanted to and operate in the realm of His glory that is way up there. Make sense? My lifestyle, how I conduct myself is important to seeing how much of God's glory can flow through my life. I think that's, that's a done deal. You know, I can't just live careless life and, I, and show up one day and say, yep, God, <laughs> show forth your glory. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a journey. It's a journey. I mean, I could spend a lot of time on this. I mean, it starts off by living a life that's consecrated to him, not just events or occasions from time to time, but an everyday consistent pursuit of his presence. Every day pursuing his presence. Every day seeking after him. I may have shared this at Gateway sometime back. This was now way, way back in India. You know, I used to help with our young people in those days. And so one of the questions that we were doing a series on living a holy life, okay? Living a holy life. And I think an incident came up where we were challenged in making a decision. And cutting the long story short, my answer was, listen, ultimately... Beyond the action of defining, is that right, is that wrong, that's not right, that's not wrong. Are, we, are you pursuing a godly lifestyle? That's the question. That, that's more important. God is looking at, are you pursuing a godly lifestyle? So then we had to find out, what's a, what's a godly lifestyle? The Bible talks a lot about pursuing a godly lifestyle. And so I, I, I put a series of questions on the paper, and I went to the next youth meeting. I said, guys, I've got a list of things that I'm going to read out. And the answers to all of them are either not wrong or right. Okay? Not wrong or right. So, so reading my Bible, what's the first spontaneous thing that comes? It's the right thing to do. Okay? Spending hours and hours and hours on television and, you know, uh, stuff that's not going to build me. Is it, is it right, the right thing to do or the not wrong thing to do? Is it not wrong. Okay, so I was t- trying to show them there's nothing that's wrong. Okay, I was, I was, I was going there with a plan of action, st- strategic plan of action. So spending hours and hours, you know, with things of the world, spending hours and hours on myself, doing this, doing that, doing that. A lot of these questions had the answer, not wrong. And they were all thinking, wow, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting the better of Chris now. Because there's nothing that we're doing that he's saying is wrong. And then I said, okay, what about stuff like investing in your spiritual life? Is it right or not wrong? Yeah, right. 
And then we built that over a period of time for about 20 minutes. And then I asked them this question. Now, this is, I said, there's nothing that you've done or, or we've listed that is wrong. But the question is, how much of your time you're spending in the right zone and how much of your time you're spending in the not wrong zone? Makes sense. A godly lifestyle is one that pursues more of the things of God. And I have to analyze my own life every day. How much of my time am I investing in things that are building me up for the kingdom and the rest is just not wrong? Get by. Get by life. And in order for us to see the glory of God, we need to spend our lives in a zone that's doing things that are the right things to do. Prayer, fasting, feeding ourselves on the word, fellowship with one another, fellowship with believers, serving, you know, things of the Spirit of God. The more we spend our world with the things of God, we are more conscious about the things of God. And so lifestyle, and I can build on this on and on and on. But number one, acknowledgement of a glory realm. Number two, lifestyle. Number three, trust. Another word for trust is faith. I trust him with every detail of my life. Because trust is linked to our lifestyle. I'm willing to invest in the things of God because I trust in the end he will work all things out for my good. Many times we are worried about so many things and we get our time filled with things that are not wrong. But when we realize I can trust him that even if I spend more time in the things that are right, he will take care of my business. He will take care of my business. Trust is a big deal. I, I, I heard, I read this somewhere recently. How many of you like jigsaw puzzles? Anyone likes doing jigsaw? I'm not a great fan of jigsaw. Jigsaw, my wife loves jigsaw puzzles. How many of you know the thousand piece ones are? I don't know how many days it takes. Anyone bought a, a thousand piece puzzle recently? Okay. Maybe the summer. Listen, when you buy a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, how many of you are confident that when you buy that box, you're going to find a thousand pieces in there? Most of us are. Most of us are. Yeah, you're risking your 10, 10, 10 pounds to buying a box, assuming that the guy who put that together put the thousand pieces in there. Listen, if we can trust the man with the thousand pieces, why can't we trust God with the different pieces of our life? Knowing you will get it right in the end. Good one, isn't it? Good illustration. Next time you doubt, look at the jigsaw puzzle. And say, I know there are the pieces that I intended to be there. If I can trust a human being with that, how much more can I trust the, the, the one above who's supernatural to piece every detail of my life together? And to operate in the realm of His glory requires trust. Requires faith. That yes, it's not about me, it's about him. And if I do this, he will show up. He's a faithful God. Number four, very quickly, it's warm in here. So our ability to concentrate isn't the best. So I'm rushing as quickly as I can. I don't know why this word came to me when I was putting this together. Audacity. I said, Holy Spirit, are you sure? Audacity, that's not a very nice word on Sunday morning. But I just felt prompted to put the word audacity. 
there's a bit of audacity that comes into us when we recognize who He is. Who He is and what He's able to do. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. I think the church needs a little bit more of audacity. We've lost a bit of our backbone. It's like, oh, we poor Christian, you know, it's blend in somewhere. I think that the Lord is raising the profile of his church and say, so you've got to know who you are, what you carry, that when you walk into the, a place, you become the majority because he is with you. In your workplace, you may be the only Christian. Listen, you are in the majority. How you perceive is how you will receive. That's a thought. If you can think that God is with you, then even the lions in the lion's den are under his rule and reign. Audacity. Boldness to operate in his glorious presence, to operate from, to operate out of, even at the risk of being alienated by people around you. And finally, We operate in the glory realm by revelation. Ultimately, my human words will stay human words till the Holy Spirit gives us a revelation of what I'm talking about. We get revelation by spending time in His presence. We spend revelation by getting a revelation from His Word. And that's why it's important. Lifestyle is so important to revelation. Of course, we all have revelation moments, even when we're not Christians. But I'm talking about as children of God, in order to grow in who we are, we need to invest so that we give, get revelation and live by revelation. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every revelation that proceeds from the mouth of God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Listen, you and I need to get a revelation of the glory that is awaiting us. Interesting, you will notice, I've underlined a few letters. Did anyone pick that out? Some interesting, clever people in the congregation. Because when I talk about His glory and operating in His glory, I think it starts with an altar. Starts with an altar. Acknowledgement, lifestyle, trust, audacity, revelation. Build an altar. Every time in the Bible there was a moment of transformation, they built an altar. They built an altar. Every time they wanted to acknowledge we are crossing over from here to there, they built an altar. An altar was simply a mark, a declaration, a decision a demonstration that we're going to turn one leaf into the next. We're moving from one level to the next, from one area to the next altar. And I believe the Lord is simply encouraging, challenging us as His people. Are you ready to build an altar to move from where you are into the realm of His glory that you've never experienced before? And we can't build an altar for one another. Each one has to build their own altar. Your own altar. Think about this over the next few days. Think about this over the next few weeks. Lord, 
Am I glory ready? That's the question. Am I glory ready? Am I ready to operate in the realm of your glory that you want me to operate in? I don't want to be an everyday average Christian going into my workplace, coming back, and no one even knows there is something called the power of God. Listen, I'm talking to myself, but I believe God's challenging us. We want to see the, how many of us want to see the nation saved? How many of us want to see our town saved? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And not that he does it from time to time where he sends a revival or something, but he's depending on everyday Christians like you and me to carry his glory. That's how he operates in most cases. That's how he operates most of the time. Everyday people carrying his glory. And let me close with this quick story. That is always fascinating, but I think this has become my prophetic picture for these last days. Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. Remember that story? Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. I'm going to put down a few verses there. Verse 15, just hang on. Give me another five minutes. Okay. Put up, put up that first verse, just to give you a background. I think this is a very prophetic story for the times that we're living in. 1 Kings 18, verses 1 and 2. It says, during the third year without rain, the Lord spoke his word to Elijah. Go and meet King Ahab, and I will, sh- and I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to meet Ahab. By this time, there was no food in Samaria. And I think we're living in a day right now where there is no rain. There's a dryness all around in our towns, in our villages, in our nation. There is a a dryness in the spirit. There's darkness. There's pain. There's heartache. There's a dryness. And the Lord is saying, I want to send rain, guys. I want to send rain. I want to send rain. Of course, the background of the story, Jezebel was Ahab's wife. And we know the spirit of Jezebel, control, witchcraft, all kinds of things, manipulation, putting fear. In fact, she was the one who wanted to kill all the prophets. And, and that's exactly where we are in. There's a hostility now towards the church, people of God, you know, to manipulate, to put fear, to intimidate. This is the area, this is the season we're in right now in our world, or at least in Europe at this point of time. Then the story goes on. He goes and meets Ahab. Moving on to verse 17. Verse 17 to 24. Let's, let's look at what The conversation is between Elijah and Ahab, verse verse 17. Do I? Okay. Oh, thank you. And again, yep. Thank you. It says, when he saw Elijah, that's when Ahab saw Elijah, he said, is it you, the biggest troublemaker in Israel? (laughs) Listen, that's the name we're going to get. You troublemakers. You, 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 you born-again Christians always messing up the status quo. Always telling us something that's different from where the world is going. But this is, this is a prophetic word this morning. And Elijah answered, I've not made trouble in Israel. You and your father's family have made all this trouble by not obeying the Lord's commands. You have gone after the Baals. Baal was a heathen god. And it, it, it talks about everything else, witchcraft and, and, the, and the world view, the world, the world system. And then, now tell all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel. Also bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Yeah? 
I'm not going to go into a lot of that right now. I'll, I'll build on it at some point. So Ahab called all the Israelites and those prophets to Mount Carmel. Elijah approached the people and said, How long will you not decide between the two choices? Listen, while he was talking to non-Christians, sometimes his question is to Christians as well. How long will you have your leg in both camps? You've got to choose one. Who do you want to follow? Jesus or the world? You can't have legs in both camps. But if the Lord is the true God, follow him. But if Baal is the true God, follow him. But the people said nothing, sitting on the fence. Elijah said, I am the only prophet of the Lord here, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. And we know what goes on. He says, bring two bulls. Let the prophets of Baal choose one bull and kill it and cut it into pieces. Then let them put the meat on the wood, but they are not to set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull, putting the meat on the wood, but not setting fire. Basically what he's saying, let's offer sacrifices without the fire. Now after we've put the bulls on the altars, you call out to your God, Baal. If, God, if Baal is God, let him send fire to consume the sacrifice. And then I'll do the same. And if my God is the real God, he will put, bring fire down and consume the sacrifice. And the people agreed because they thought, yep, that's a fair deal. Verse 30 is interesting. Then Elijah said to all the people, now come to me. So they gathered around him. And Elijah rebuilt the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down altar. The Lord is saying, guys, we need to rebuild the altar of operating in the realm of his glory that we have perhaps lost, that we have perhaps ignored, that we have perhaps stayed away from because of fear of what might or might not happen. And he's saying, rebuild the altar. Rebuild the A-L-T-A-R, the acknowledgement that there is a realm that I can operate in. There is a lifestyle that I need to live to operate in that realm. There's a, there's a trust and faith level I need to operate in. There's an audacity that I need to possess like never before. And there's a revelation I need to live by every single day of my life. Rebuild the altar. Don't forget our roots. And then one more, two more verses. At the, end, at the time, so they do this, okay? I'm, I'm zooming forward, but the prophets of Baal, they spent morning, afternoon, and evening calling upon Baal to burn the sacrifice. Nothing happened. They even fact started cutting themselves, uh, thinking if we spill some blood, maybe he'll answer. Nothing happened. Now this is, this is Elijah's time. He comes to the scene now. It's, it's time for the evening sacrifice. And the prophet Elijah went near the altar. Lord, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Prayed. I like this. Prove that you are the God of Israel. Look at audacity there. That's audacity. And that's what I'm saying. That I believe the church of God in our nation, and our land, needs to now rise up with a little more audacity. Lord, prove that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant. Show these people. Second word. One is prove. One is show that you commanded me to do these things. And number three, Lord, answer my prayer so that these people will know that you, Lord, are the God and that you will change their minds, that, you, that they will know that you are God. End of the day, Abergavenny, all the surrounding areas, Monmouthshire, South Wales needs to know that he is God. And they will only know it when they see a manifestation of his glory. When they experience and then have an encounter with the presence of God that transforms lives forever. And that's what I'm sharing with us this morning. Do not forget who we are. Do not forget 
who we are. While we do everything else, there's a realm that God is calling us to operate in, especially in a time such as this. Let's close with that last verse in verse 38. It says, Then fire from the Lord came down and burnt the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the ground around the altar. It also dried up the water in the ditch. When all the people saw this, they fell down to the ground crying, The Lord is God. That's the next. Where is that? So we do. Verse 38. Last bit. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. That's the last bit where they said the Lord is God. Listen, we're closing, guys. Are we glory ready? We can be 5G ready. We can be HD ready. We can be digital ready. We can be Y2K ready. This morning, the Lord is prompting us. Are you and I glory ready? Let's arise this morning. Let's arise this morning. Let's take a moment just to reflect. We'll build on this. I think this is a prophetic word now for this season. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. Let your glory fall upon this earth, Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Let your glory fall around me in the atmosphere I walk into. Let your glory come into the places I tread into. I don't want to just go there as Chris Vaz. I want to go there with your glory. I want to go there with your glory. Your glory. Listen, there's a price to pay, guys. Glory doesn't come easy. Jesus made the way. Biggest price. He died so that the door could be opened to his presence and the glory. But we need to walk in it. We need to walk in it. It's there for the taking. Not everybody walks in it because it's a price to be paid. But the call is going out to the church in our nation today. How many of us are willing to build the altar? How many of us are willing to build the altar? And listen, sometimes the most insignificant person because of their willingness, because of their acknowledgement, because of their lifestyle, because of their trust in Him, because of the audacity <laughs> and because of revelation they build that altar they build that altar and it's an everyday journey it's an everyday journey Lord I raise an altar to you today use me for your glory I want you to reflect on this as we sing this song we're not calling anyone to the front or anything today just Allowing us as individuals, as a corporate body, to get a fresh revelation this morning of who we are and the realm He wants us to walk in every single day, every morning.